Welcome everyone to the Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host TJ and with me and as always is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in this game because he's always the same. That's me. And with us today, we have not, a very special guest. Hold on, Was TJ. That- I'm not going to get into it too much, but this is like the third. And for the people who listen to this podcast on a regular basis, this is the third time we've restarted. But I hate to, I'm not going to blame it all on TJ. We have a guest from Canada today. And as we know, well, you know, it's Canada. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but we have had a couple of technical issues today. So we're just going to have a little bit of fun, but this is going to be a serious podcast also. And uh, go ahead, TJ, take it away. Yeah, we have a very special guest, uh, Brady Leavold. And I, I, you know, I butchered his name the first few times I said it. Uh, so thank goodness, hopefully, we've pronounced it here correctly here. Take three. Shocker. Shocker. <laughs> Shocker. But Brady has a podcast called Hockey to Heroin, The Road from Hockey to Heroin. And I listened to a few episodes, and it's it's really great stuff, a great story about it. And I, I knew as soon as I kind of started hearing and listening to it, we had to have him on the podcast. Um, and, you know, Brady, I don't want to go ahead and sell your short story short at all. Um, and, you know, just to kind of give us a little bit of background on yourself here and, and uh, your yeah. road from hockey to heroin. Yeah, no, guys, I, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, you know, I'm just really happy to, uh, you know, have this podcast, uh, Hockey Heroin, The Road to Recovery, it's called, and uh, to be a part of uh, the Hockey Podcast Network like yourselves, uh, it's been uh, it's been really good. But uh, yeah, a little bit about my backstory, I'm from Port Coquitlam, British Columbia, which is uh, about 40 minutes from Vancouver. Uh, grew up there, uh, played my minor hockey there, and I broke into the Western Hockey League, played uh uh, just, you know, parts of five seasons in the Western League. Uh, I quit a couple times, a uh, pretty wild uh, junior career, um, dealing with a lot of mental health issues back then. Um, managed to uh, sign with the Tampa Bay Lightning organization after my 20-year-old season playing on a line with Jamie Benn, uh, the captain of the Dallas Stars. Uh, Tyson Berry was on that team, Tyler Myers. We had a really good team in Kelowna. Um, just uh, a really good year, lots of fun. Uh, finally, you know, enjoyed playing hockey again since I was a kid. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, after that uh, season, um, dealing with a couple of different pregnancies at the same time, uh, which uh, I didn't handle the way that I wanted to, uh, dealing with some things that happened to me as a kid that I didn't know how to deal with, um, I turned to drugs uh, when I found party drugs uh, that, you know, I loved it instantaneously. I loved it. And uh, it took away everything in that moment. And, um, I just wanted more. I needed to have more, uh, started a lot with cocaine and ecstasy. Uh, and after my first year pro, I got addicted to Oxycontin, uh, which is the painkiller, uh, very much like heroin or morphine. Um, you know, if you start taking it, you need to keep taking it. Uh, otherwise you go into withdrawal and, uh, I, you know, it was new territory for me. I really had no idea where it was going to take me. Um, it didn't take long for, uh, my life to become unhinged. Uh, I ended up, you know, losing my hockey career, losing my kids, uh, switching to heroin pretty soon thereafter. Um, started using uh, intravenously with needles. Uh, I was homeless on uh, the streets of Hastings in Vancouver, which is uh, probably the worst street in North America. Uh, you know, and if you Google it, anybody listening, Google's Hastings in Vancouver it'll blow your mind. Um, there's no other place like it in the world. 
Uh, there's open drug use, open drug dealing, open prostitution, open crime. Uh, it's just an unbelievable, uh, sad uh, place where a lot of addicts go and there's about 5,000 people all in one little radius, all doing the same thing. Um, and that's where I was for eight months before, uh, before I ended up behind bars. And uh, I've been to jail a few times after I stopped playing hockey. And um, yeah, it's been a really rough road. Uh, and then uh, about a month and a half ago, um, you know, freshly out of jail again, uh, November tw 2019, I was released from jail. Um, and I was sort of uh, at that point, um, still lost. Uh, through those years of, of addiction, of homelessness, of being in jail, of, uh, you know, struggling to find myself, uh, you know, trying to find an identity um, after I lost hockey. I'm not even sure if that was really ever an identity or if it's just uh, something I was good at. Um, but, you know, I started to identify as Brady the drug dealer or Brady the drug collector or Brady the jail guy. Uh, and I stopped caring about everything else. Um, it was as if uh, my life as a hockey player didn't even exist. Um, I didn't care if I died. I didn't care if I hurt people. Um, uh, I just, I honestly didn't care. Uh, and at that point, uh, I just had given up and I was like, hey, whatever happens, happens. This is now my life. So if this is going to be my life, let's commit 100% to that. So, and that's what I did for a few years. And obviously, um, it got me nowhere. I'm very lucky to be alive. Um, most people that go through what I go through don't make it out the other side. Um, so when I was released uh, in November, guys, I, you know, I was still, I'll be honest, I was still in the mindset like, okay, what am I going to do to make money? Okay, I'm going to start dealing drugs again. Um uh, because that's all I've known for the last uh, few years. Yes, I was homeless there in Vancouver, but once I got out of jail in Vancouver and moved to Ontario, um, you know, I started getting into the drug world in a different side and started selling it just to support my habit, right? And, uh, you know, ended up getting picked up for trafficking and uh, a stolen truck. And uh, I did almost a year in jail in Ontario. So that's when I was released in uh, November of 2019. And um, like I said, uh, I, at the time it was in jail, I started to uh, write a book called hockey to heroin. Um, the different times I was in jail, I, I, you know, would get my mind straight and start writing. But, uh, when I would get released, uh, I would relapse and, uh, always with the best of intentions, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to, um, get my shit together. And, um, I was never able to do that. And, uh, I just had no meaning, no purpose, um, no direction, uh, other than my motivation was drugs. Uh, all my people I surrounded myself with uh, were either drug dealers, drug addicts, um, whatever the case may be, people in that life. Um, you know, I was off social media for the last four years, uh, unless uh, it was under a fake name. Um, and everybody on my uh, my fake Facebook page, again, was in that life. Nobody that I was actually friends with or no family members even knew that that page existed. Uh, again, it was just for that life. So it was almost like I had created this whole other life and my life of a hockey player never existed. So um, I got out in November and 
was continuing on that path and uh, relapsed straight after I got out of jail and, uh, you know, just wasn't liking uh, the way I was feeling. Um, I knew that it was only a matter of time before I was going to be back in jail and uh, or dead. And uh, this time going to jail, it wasn't going to be for a year or two. Uh, it would be for five or longer probably. So uh, with the things that I was doing. So, uh, you know, uh, even knowing all that, guys, I still, um, it didn't deter me um, from doing those things because I just felt like I had no other options. Um, however, when I got released from jail, uh, the very first time I went, um, I, my junior team sent me a pair of skates, a brand new pair of skates. Um, and I had never put them on. I had them for about a year and a half. Um, and when I got out of jail in November, uh, you know, I had, uh, had a, got a new girlfriend, uh, like a whole new life once I was out. And, uh, basically the only thing I had from my old life. Uh, I'm not kidding. I didn't have any clothes when I got out of jail. I didn't have nothing. Um, I was able to go to my uh, the town where I used to live in and get my pair of skates from uh, a place. It doesn't matter where I got them from, but I was able to secure my skates. And um, that's basically the only thing I have uh, from other than my the stuff I have in my parents' house back in BC. Um, so I was up here with my new girlfriend, Taylor. Uh, like I said, I live uh, in Muskoka. Uh, which is, uh, I live in the bush, <laughs> um, you know, ATVs and lakes and fishing. And that's what I'm doing and in the middle of nowhere. Um, no access to really anything uh, unless I want to drive half an hour. And um, so I was kind of white knuckling it, guys. Uh, since about uh, just after Christmas. And because uh, I decided that after a month of using and uh, doing all that shit that I was doing before that um, it was time to make a change. And so um, I remember I detoxed uh, up here a little bit and uh, I still had no real direction or um, idea of what I wanted to do. Uh, I still felt hopeless. Um, not a clue what I was going to do with my life or how I was going to support myself now or, um, or even if I even wanted to keep living, like, um, I haven't seen my kids in a number of years. I'm working towards that still now that things are going better, but, uh, I th ended up throwing my skates on guys and, uh, my girlfriend's family lives up here, uh, right, like 30 seconds from a lake. And, uh, it was frozen, uh, about two months ago. And, uh, I just decided to put my skates on and go for a skate. And uh, it's the first time that I've been on the ice in five years. And uh, they say it's like riding a bike. But if you've ever not ridden a bike since you were a kid until you're an adult, you know how awkward that can be. Uh, I, I, just, can, I can personally speak to that. I can personally speak to that. Ju that's just a bike. So, uh, yes. Was I still a good skater? Of course. Um, but to my standards, um, I was pitiful. Uh, I had no strength in my legs like I used to. Uh, I mean, if you guys were to watch me skate, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that guy probably played, you know, a high level hockey or whatever. But for me, knowing, um, you know, it was pretty, uh, you know, I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> fuck, you're a long ways from where you were. But at the same time, 
But at the same time, it felt amazing. Um, there was nobody around. Um, just me and the frozen lake. And I booted around for like 15 minutes. And then I walked, took my skates off and I walked back up to the house. And uh, I remember my girlfriend's like, said she'd never seen me smile so much in my life. I mean, we'd only known each other like a, four months by this time, but still. And uh, so, uh, you know, 10 minutes later, I packed up her daughter and uh, who was uh, three and took her down. She had a pair of skates, so I took her skating. And, uh, you know, the next day I went skating again and the next day I went skating again. Um, and it gave me this. And then all of a sudden I had this idea. I started, I was like, man. I got to coach. I got to do something. I got to get back involved in hockey. I got to yeah. be on the ice. I got to do something. Um, so I reached out to the local junior A team here in, uh, in Muskoka. Uh, I went to their website and I reached out to their head coach. Uh, his name is Mark Gagnon, uh, who I talk to just about every day now. Um, but at this time I had no idea who he was. Um, his email was on the website. So uh, I sent him an email and I said, Hey, my name is Brady Leibold. If you Google my name, you're going to see all sorts of shit. Me, my hockey career, me going to jail about my addiction, uh, a number of things. But, um, at the end of the day, I'm trying to make a change in my life. Uh, I would love an opportunity to work with your team in some way, whether it's a volunteer job, even if the players don't even know I'm there, I'll come there. I'll, I'll record hits. I'll take face-offs. I'll do whatever. Um, I just want to be involved. Uh, and he responded right away and said, Hey, we're in playoffs. As soon as the season's over, I'd love to grab a coffee. Um, and so right then and there, uh, just to have that sort of, uh, um, you know, response, uh, after all that I had gone through. Um, and I was very honest. I said, look, I'm an addict. I just got out of jail. Um, but I need to make a change, whatever. Um, and so just the fact that he was gonna, you know, ag agree to meet with me. And so, um, they ended up going through playoffs and, uh, losing out and he got in contact with me and he's like, unfortunately me and the owner are not seeing eye to eye. I'm not going to be the coach there next year. Um, but I am always involved in junior hockey and I would love to give you an opportunity wherever I am. So that in itself uh, was awesome. And that gave me the sort of uh, encouragement um, to be like, hey, maybe there are some people out there that'll still give you a chance. So I thought about writing this book um, because ultimately I want to share my story to help people, even if it's just one person. Um, so I remember I called my dad and I was like, I think I remember I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast a lot. Um, I watched uh, Tim and Sid, which is a, a sports show up here in Canada. Um, yeah. I watched it a lot while I was in jail and, uh, I just loved it. And, you know, I listened to a lot of sports radio talk when I was growing up and, um, I just looked at my girlfriend. I remember I called my dad and I'm like, dad, I'm going to do, and I had no relationship really with my dad for the last 10 years. Um, other than, uh, a shitty one, let's say. Um, and I, he's like, I don't think, uh, he's like, I think you should write the book first. Cause at, to be fair, he had no idea where my head was at. Um, I've tried everything. Uh, I've relapsed a thousand times. Um, he's heard it all. Right. So I think he just wanted to make sure, um, uh, that I was ready. Um, but against his advice, 
um, I said to my girlfriend, I said, I'm going to go record a podcast. And she looked at me and she said, okay. So I grabbed uh, her mom's laptop and uh, I trotted out to uh, her Honda CRV in the driveway because it's the only <laughs> quiet place I could find at the time. Uh, and I recorded the first episode of what was going to be hockey to heroin. And uh, as I hit record, uh, as I started talking, as you guys know from doing podcasts, as much as you uh, want to script something, you can't because um, one, you never know what the other people are going to say. And two, things just happen and come to you as you go. So um, as I was sitting there, I was like, uh, hockey to heroin is great, but uh, we need to make this a more positive story. So this is going to be my, my road to recovery. So hockey to heroin, the road to recovery was born uh, in the driveway of my girlfriend's uh, uh, parents' house. And, uh, the first episode was 20 minutes of me just, um, basically saying what I said now, uh, in a shorter version, maybe. Um, and the next day I, I contacted a friend from childhood of mine who I hadn't talked to in probably five years, uh, who's a scout for the, uh, Arizona coyotes, uh, and asked him if he would, uh, be come on and uh, do an interview. And, uh, he said yes right away. We didn't talk beforehand at all. Um, I called him and hit record, uh, and we did it. And uh, the, the following one was uh, a guy I played with. Uh, if you can see the video behind me, team issued here. Um, a guy I played with in Kelowna, Jesse Paradise. Uh, I, you know, saw. I messaged him and said, "Hey, would you like to come on the podcast?" And uh, that's when I he said yeah. And that's when I found out he's uh, five years ago created this company, Team Issued. Um, so he came on and then after that, he, uh, he decided to sponsor me. And from there I've had unbelievable guests, uh, Theron Fleury, uh, Chris Nyland, Sheldon Kennedy, um, Ryan Vandenbush is coming on. I have, uh, Goldie Goldthorpe, the guy they did slap shot, uh, Ogie Oglethorpe. He oh, was Ogie on. Oglethorpe. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I had him on, I had Doug McLean on, uh, from hockey night in Canada. I had Terry Raskowski on. The, who's my coach and I played he captained three NHL teams and a World Hockey Association team like um, Brent Sopel was on uh, I have uh, John Morasti coming up who was uh, one of the most feared fighters in the AHL uh, Doug Gilmore is coming on like you know so for me to like just a few months ago guys um, uh, you know five months ago I was sticking a needle in my arm um, doing drug collections, um, in jail, not caring, um, you know, and, uh, finally I was able to find myself again, um, pull myself out of it. Um, and for the first time in my life, um, find something, uh, that, you know, gives me meaning and purpose. And, uh, I've been able to connect with a lot of great people. And, uh, you know, where I'm sitting now is, uh, an old chicken coop on my girlfriend's parents' property. Um, I cleared it out and, uh, cause I was like, I need somewhere better than a car to fill do my podcast. <laughs> and, uh, it was filled with chicken shit and, uh, it was a storage thing shed and I cleaned it out and it's still, uh, you know, I got a long ways to go cause I'm going to make it bigger now, but, uh, I met a lot of great people and uh, I heard a story of a, a guy that played in the OHL and was a really good hockey player and went through the same shit I went through and he died from an overdose. So, 
in 2017. Like he played in the OHL, which is the same as the WHL, but in Ontario. And, um, you know, in 2017, he overdosed and died on fentanyl. Uh, I never met him, but when I heard the story, I was like, wow, that could have been me easy. Um, and so I was like, wow, I'm going to make this studio in his honor. So the, I'm sitting in the Matthew Lashinsky studio right now. Um, we're making it bigger. Uh, and then uh, we're also starting a foundation. I believe it's going to be called, called it's going to be called the Puck Support Foundation, uh, primarily, but not not limited to um, hockey players, um, female and male, uh, that are either suffering with concussions, mental health, addiction, or just struggling to find their way in the world after playing hockey. Because a lot of these guys that play junior and pro never make it to the NHL. Uh, you know, play 10 or 15 years, minor pro, uh, have all the same injuries or in some cases even worse than these guys in the NHL uh, and have no players association to fall back on, um, have no insurance, uh, medical coverage when they're done playing, like missing teeth and stuff. Uh, so that's what my, the foundation that I'm starting. Uh, it's not just me. Uh, Jesse Paradise, the owner of Team Issues, on board. Theo Fleury is on board. Uh, we have a bunch of uh, people. We're just starting it. We're going to be making wristbands like this one here um, to raise money um, for this cause. Uh, but like I said, it's not going to be limited to hockey players. But that is going to be my primary focus, our primary focus, because um, in the last month and a half, uh, you guys would not believe there is just no way anybody could possibly believe how many messages I've got from guys um, that I either played with or against or that I've never met or even knew uh, that are younger or older or whatever uh, that play junior or pro that have either gone through or are going through or feel like they're going to go through uh, similar things to what I've gone through. It is insane. Uh, I thought I was a minority. Yes, um, not a lot of hockey players maybe go to jail. Not a lot of hockey players do heroin. Not a lot of players uh, do the IV drug use. Um, however, uh, there's a lot of ex-players suffering with concussions, with alcoholism, with cocaine addiction, with uh, mental health, with whatever the case may be. Um, and they're suffering and they feel alone um, and they're not, they shouldn't have to. And uh, I want to make, and we want to make uh, that transition uh, easier, more comfortable uh, for these guys and girls that may be struggling because it's not easy. And uh, I feel like if I would have had some, uh, some guys and especially as a hockey player, um, you know, to know that there's other pro hockey players or junior players that have gone through the same thing that are there to support you that are on your team uh, is, is going to be very valuable. I feel because uh, we're used to being a, on a team. And when you walk away from the game uh, you know, you're not in the dressing room anymore. You're not around the guys anymore. Um, and depression can sink in. Uh, it's very hard to find an identity. Uh, people may not understand this. They think it's a, it's all, uh, it's all, you know, glory and fun and oh what a job playing hockey professionally yes i'm not gonna kid like it's no secret it's a it's it's incredible what a 
I feel very fortunate, though my career was cut short uh, because of some of my choices. Um, I'm still very lucky. I'm still in the 1% of the population uh, to play professional hockey. Um, but at the same time, I worked really hard uh, as a kid. And, um, you know, and there's reasons why. Uh, and there's a lot of people that supported me, like my dad that gave me the opportunity. Um, you know, a lot of kids don't even get that opportunity. So, you know, I was very fortunate. Um, but guys, it's, it's been very difficult because that's all I knew for so long. So I've been trying to latch on to pretty much anything, you know, um, go ahead. I I wanted to, you, you have, you have said so much. And I, I, like I said, anyone who they know, I do not listen to podcasts and I listened a little bit to one of yours. And I'm like, I wanted to hear your story. I really did. And I just had so many questions. Um, Were you surprised with the amount of people in the hockey community, especially, you know, you talk about Doug McClain and Theo Fleury. I mean, I know Theo's had his issues, um, you know, but McClain and, you know, the other guys that you mentioned, were you surprised at how receptive they were to help you out? And are you finding this to be therapeutic? Um, You you know, you finding the podcast and, you know, writing the book and uh, the foundation, is that therapeutic to keep you clean? hundred percent. Um, like I said, guys, I still sometimes feel, uh, like I'm going to wake up in a jail cell. Um, and some, uh, poor man version of Ashton Kutcher is going to jump out and yell that I've been punked. Like that's like, I swear to God, that's how I feel. I feel like, uh, this is a big joke. There's no possible way that, um, I can, what this could possibly be happening to me. Um, you know, like you said, uh, Doug McLean was, I believe guest number seven, um, on the podcast and, uh, yes, Theron Fleury, Sheldon Kennedy, Brent Sopel. Um, that was surprising to me. Uh, of course, Chris Nyland, uh, but they, uh, have stories of their own and they know, uh, what it's like. So at the same time, uh, I wasn't as surprised as surprised as I was. I'm not going to say I'm not surprised because I almost fell off my bed when Theron Fleury texts me back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, but when Doug McLean responded seven episodes in, um, that was, uh, that was a big one for me because I watched him on hockey night in Canada. Uh, he had, I thought he had no real, um, reason to, to come on the podcast, even though I had asked him. Um, but if you listen to that podcast, if you guys have a chance to go listen to it, he talks about, um, how his brother suffered, uh, from addiction, uh, actually in Vancouver. Um, so, uh, you know, he mentions it very early in the podcast. So, you know, then I was like, okay, now I can kind of see like, you know, but at the same time, He's just a good guy. Uh, there's a lot of good people out there um, that want to support um, people trying to make a change. Um, and I'm just very lucky uh, that I have, you know, the support and these people in my life. And I feel, guys, that looking back, um, maybe I was just, I broke down just enough walls in the hockey world and got myself positioned just right in the hockey world enough 
to allow myself to get this uh, to kind of work in the way that it did because, um, you know, do I get these guests on my podcast if I'm not a professional hockey player at one point? I'm not sure. Um, it doesn't matter. Know, to me, but, to me, that doesn't matter. I mean, you're 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 sending out a message to everyone, not just people in hockey. I feel that you're sending out the message to everyone. I mean, I have a member of my family who struggles with addiction to this day. I mean, they've used heroin. And I mean, was there a point in time where you just said to yourself, I mean, I mean and I don't know, but where you just said to yourself, okay, I have to stop. It doesn't matter what anyone else would tell you saying, you know, gosh, you know, we're behind you, this, that, and the other thing, but until you were ready where you could not quit. Um, did you find something like that? Because I know with the member of my family, I still think that they're in denial. And, you know, until I think until they come to that realization themselves, no matter how much you want to help someone until they want to really be helped, it's hard. I just think it's really hard from a family perspective when you see something like that. Yeah. It's, uh, again, too, I've gotten a lot of messages from family members, uh, of people in addiction, um, I don't know what that side of it's like as much, right? Um, I only know what it's like to be the addict. Yes, I've dealt with, uh, you know, friends that have had addictions. Uh, I've been around other addicts, but um, I have kids, but my kids are still young. I haven't, you know, my dad and my mom uh, couldn't imagine seeing, you know, having to go through what they went through with me. And uh, at the time, not even realizing it, just so selfish and um, just not caring and, it's just what the drugs do to you, it, do to people. Um, it's until you go through it, you can't understand it. Um, I remember being like, why doesn't this person just get a job? Why doesn't this person just stop doing drugs? Like this just doesn't, it's not that easy. And you're absolutely right. Uh, there's like the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And um, there were so many times where I was like, I need to stop. I'm going to stop. Um, but it's so hard. Um, yeah. I don't know what the, I don't know what the answer is. There is no simple answer. Uh, I believe that you really need to find it in yourself. And at the same time, you need to find meaning and purpose and you need to find, because when you're a drug addict, um, especially when you're using opiates like heroin, morphine, um, fentanyl, all this stuff, um, you physically need it so nothing else matters uh because if you don't have your drug you can't do anything else because you're sick so yeah. that has to be your number one priority as much as you want your kids to be number one priority or your job or your family or whatever um you are incapacitated if you don't have your drug um and after a while um, some cases it takes longer than others, but, um, it, it all comes crashing down very quick because nobody can sustain that lifestyle because it is so expensive. Eventually you have to start stealing or robbing or, uh, you know, and you end up in jail or, and these are all things that, um, good people will do, uh, if they're addicted and, um, it's yeah, just crazy. It's just yeah. really crazy. Yeah, the drug just kind of takes you over. 
Yeah, yeah, and I was about to say, I used to play college football, and a lot of people after surgeries and injuries, whether it be shoulders, knees, things of that nature, they would get you know team-issued hydro, um, hydros and oxys and things like that. And I've seen firsthand definitely people who've been affected, and you know they would use and abuse alcohol with it as well to yep. know, increase that high. And I, you know, definitely people who have struggled with that. And the thing is, you know, when you have it and it's team issued like that, and you're, you're still on the road to recovery there from your, uh, you know, whether it's a knee or a shoulder, they're providing that for you as well. And it's, it's very, very addicting. Uh, that's a hundred percent for sure. I, I definitely understand that. Did and, and Go ahead. Go. I, um, yeah, real quick. Did you feel that the teams that you played for in juniors and then in the minors, uh, if you had an injury, there was an where they were trying to make sure that you got back on the ice? Uh, Never you, once. Okay. Never once. Um, that's something um, actually in the hockey world, uh, especially nowadays, even more so uh, with the concussions and that. And it was really just starting when I was in junior, but um, uh, no. Uh, I never ever felt pressured uh, to play through any type of injury. That wow. was always my that was always my own choice. I played through a lot of injuries. I never said I had a concussion. Very rarely, uh, I played through broken hands and stuff. And to be honest with you, um, yeah, when I'm my first year pro, the doctor, I just went in there and asked for oxys because I was addicted to them and I knew I needed them. And I just had pretended and I lied to the doctor. I was like, my family doctor back home put me on these pills and I don't really know what they are. Um, but I knew what they were called. And I remember the doctor pulled out the book. They had like this big blue textbook in the office. And I'm um, like, it's some sort of painkiller. It's oxy, uh, you know, cause I don't want to seem like I'm drug seeking. And yeah. uh, so he brings out the book. And I remember at the time I was doing like oxy 80 milligram pills. Um, and they're like a turquoise green color. And, the 40 milligram pills were yellow now. And then there's other milligram pills and they had them all on the page of the paper. And I remember him being like, are these them? And he pointed at the 80 milligram ones. And I thought he was just like testing me. So I was like, no, 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 these ones. And I pointed at the forties, right. To make it look like I was there. And he's like, how many? And I was like, Oh, four a day. And he's like, okay, there you go. And that was it. And then like a day later, I'm like, called them. I'm like, I lost the prescription. Uh, write them again. Two days later, I lost the prescription. And then I remember going on that third time or whatever. I remember the pharmacist being like, and I had no idea that they kept track of this type of stuff back then, right? Or that they could even know. The pharmacist was like, this is the third prescription you filled in like seven days or 10 days or whatever it was. And um. They're like, we can't, we can't fill this. And uh, I was like, yeah, call the doctor. And I remember they called the team doctor. And then all of a sudden, I remember the pharmacist being so mad, but I remember him looking at me with this look on his face and he just hung up the phone and he had to fill the prescription because the doctor said to, and he didn't want to. And it was just like, you know, and I just remember being like, ha ha ha. And I just didn't care because I got my drugs. Right. Um, right. That's how sick I was at the time. Um, but yeah, it was, it's crazy, but no, I never felt pressured to play through any injuries. Um, it was that's, all my own choice. That's great to hear. I know again, like every, every team differs, but I know in the football atmosphere that we were had, Oh my God, yes. you played through injuries. Absolutely. There was no doubt about yes. it. They always were, 
you know, anything to patch you up, anything to give you to, to make sure you're out there. I mean, obviously they would try to avoid the hydros and oxys, whatever they could, but I mean, they were giving you whatever type of pills they wanted, you know, oh, this is going to help yeah. this type of swelling decrease. This is going to help this type of pain you got in your arm. This is going to fix this. This just, we rub this on you. This will do the trick for you. They definitely, I know in my scenario, they definitely wanted players to play through injury and pain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I just, you know, you mentioned earlier how you were working or were potentially going to be working with uh, a junior team. And I I don't know the issue that you had with the owner, um, but I think that you could add so much more than just uh, your hockey knowledge, uh, more of a life lesson thing. And I think that would be that would be something that teams should really want. Now, Grumpy, could, I, I don't think he had an issue with the owner. I believe the head coach had an issue with the owner, and the head coach was leaving, if I recall correctly. Yeah, that's right. So, actually, guys, my main focus, uh, my main thing that I really want to do is, like, I've created a website, um, hockeytoheroin.com. Uh, you guys could check it out. Um, but it's not more – it's not as much for the podcast um, as it is uh, for – uh, I want to just get, uh, you know, the, the foundation out there, but also, um, I'd love to coach, um, hockey, but I'm not ready. I'm not there yet. Um, as I've thought about it, I'm, I have another kid on the way and I just have lots going on. I just, it's a big commitment to coach a junior hockey team and I'm not there yet. I hope one day I am. Um, but what I do want to do guys is I want to go around and speak to high schools, um, speak to hockey teams, whoever. Um, that's really um, what I want to do. Um, even Like I said, even if it's on a volunteer basis, if they just pay pay for my travel expenses. If I had the money, I'd pay for it myself. I just don't. But, um, you know, that's how, that is how committed I am to this whole uh, process is that um, money really has no value to me. Um, yes, you need money to survive. Um, but, I need very little to survive. I've learned that I don't need a lot. I've been through the materialistic stage in my life where I had to have all the nice clothes and um, worried about what I look like, you know, all that shit. And, um, you know, I've really, through all of this, I've really been able to appreciate the things that matter to me. Um, you know, as hard as the last 10 years were, um, as many of these things that I've done that I still am in disbelief, uh, and I'm ashamed of, um, and just almost like it wasn't me. And I just want to wish that it wasn't, um, at the same token, I, I don't know if I'd change any of it because, uh, I'm really happy with where I'm at today. Like, um, I don't miss playing hockey. Uh, I miss being around, like I miss playing for fun. I miss being around hockey. I miss being around whatever. Um, but I don't miss the pressures of playing. Um, I don't think I ever uh, was meant to be a, like a hockey player. Um, if that sounds, I just, I, my mind was other places all the time. I just, I could never wrap my whole brain around. I was so, such a head case and so mentally ill that uh, I just could never put it together. Um all the time. I was very inconsistent. Um, but you know, I did have some success. Uh, but ultimately I think that I was just, I made it just far enough, um, to get me to allow me to have this platform now, 
um, and help people. And I think that's why I went through what I went through. Fantastic. Yeah. Now you mentioned, you mentioned your relationship with your dad earlier. Uh, do you feel, and I know it's probably still a work in progress. Uh, do you feel that you're connecting with your parents again on a more positive uh, basis? Uh, absolutely. So like I said, my dad, I lived with my dad primarily growing up. Uh, we were best friends uh, for the longest time. Uh, I took advantage of him over the last 10 years. I took a lot of money from him. Uh, I lied to him. Uh, all the typical drug addict stuff. Um, I feel horrible about it. I, there's, you know, uh, if, if I could count up the money I owe my dad, I'd be in seven figures. I'm not kidding. Um, and he'll tell you the same. Uh, over the course of the last 20 years, I'd say, with everything. Um, but, it, you know, nowadays, uh, my relationship with my dad is better than it's been maybe ever, even though I haven't seen him physically because he's in Vancouver. Um, but I talk to him multiple times in a day now. Um, he's going to be part of this foundation. Like, we're going to be able to do stuff together. Um I feel like he's actually like proud of me, you know, like he's retweeting my tweets. Um, whereas before he wouldn't even have me as a friend on Facebook, um, you know, <laughs> didn't, uh, would answer my calls, but reluctantly and, uh, knowing that it was only when I needed something or, um, you know, and it was, it's horrible because I love my dad. Um, uh, but at the same time, it was like, I tried not to bring him into my shit as much as possible. Um, and that's why I wasn't talking to him. And I knew that uh, he didn't want to know what was going on because it was killing him. Um, he's a fireman or he's a retired fireman now. Um, but with all the overdoses in Vancouver and the surrounding area, um, my dad was worried that every call he was going to go to, like an overdose, it was going to be me. Uh, he actually retired early because of it. Like that's how much uh, this was affecting his life. So, um, you know it's just been really good. And I know that it's, you know, I'm very fresh in recovery. I'm going to have my struggles, uh, but I've said it on my podcast where if I relapse, uh, which, um, it's always, uh, a possibility. Um, I never say never. Uh, I've said where it's like, I'm never going to do this. And then I end up doing it. So, uh, I just, you know, taking it one day at a time, like everybody says, it's so cliche, but it's what you have to do. Sometimes it's one minute at a time. Um, but I'm just trying to focus on all the positive things, uh, that are going on. I, honest guys, I don't have time. I'll be honest. I smoke pot still. I'm not completely clean. Uh, I'm fully supportive of pot and CBD products. Uh, there's so much medical research with concussions and CBD and all this stuff. Uh, there's a lot of hockey players, Ryan Vandenbush, who's coming up, who was enforcer in the NHL for a lot of years. He's coming on, uh, the podcast this week. Uh, he actually has a cannabis company where he's growing the weed and doing all that um, for medical purposes. <clears throat> so I want to be completely honest with people about that. So when people hear me say I'm clean uh, and they can't be like, oh, he smokes pot, he's not clean. Well, guess what? I'm telling you the truth. I'm not a liar. So, um, you know, and eventually I'd like to cut that back too. Um, but right now it's such a good stress relief for me and it's working. Uh, and at the end of the day, if I'm not doing heroin and fentanyl I, and all those hard drugs, uh, I'm good. I'm not trying to do too much at once and be like, hey, I got to stop doing everything, you know. So uh, I'm doing it as a process. And maybe one day I'll be like, hey, you know what? I don't need the pod anymore. I don't need the CBD or whatever. Um, and then we can look at that. But uh, right now, 
Um, I'm doing fantastic. Probably the best I've ever done in my entire adult life. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's been, it's been really, really good. And I'm just I, like, I am, I am really surprised, uh, with how receptive people have been. Are you, are you going, I, I know, are you doing this, trying to stay clean on your own or are you going like to an Alcoholics Anonymous, um, you know, or something like that? Uh, are, yeah, are you so doing, taking any of those steps? So, um, for me, uh, you know, I've been to treatment so many times. Uh, I've been in the Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous. I love the programs. I've had multiple years clean, like one year clean relapse, one year clean relapse, uh, like years ago. Uh, and during those years, uh, the year clean, I was very, um, active in those programs, doing service work, chairing the meetings, uh, whatever I could, uh, meeting people for coffee, whatever I had to do sometimes multiple meetings in a day. I think I did 110 meetings in 90 days. You're supposed to do 90 and 90. I did 110 or something. Um, and, uh, so because of the COVID-19 thing, I haven't been to a meeting, uh, since this whole thing started. Uh, like I said, I've been, I was like white knuckling it for a while. Uh, and then just recently, I just started thinking about my recovery since the podcast started. So um, Brent Sopel is actually my mentor. Uh, he's very open about his struggle with addiction. Um, you know, obviously, he's a Stanley Cup champion. Um, and uh, he is, uh, uh, you know, my mentor, I will say. I talk to him almost every day uh, through text. Uh, I call him at least once a week now. Um, so those are the kind of things that I'm doing. Uh, I'm looking at as soon as the meetings open, I'm going to get back involved. Uh, and I think at that time uh, is when I'm going to start to try to wean off the smoking of the pot. If I still have to take my CBD drops or whatever, uh, that's fine. Um, but yeah, uh, I know that I need to uh, to do more for my recovery uh, and focus all my energy on that. Maybe not all, but uh, more of my energy uh, once I'm able to do meetings. Um but at the same time, uh, what I'm doing right now is working because I'm having so many conversations um, with people uh, with like, just like right now uh, doing podcasts or whatever. Uh, for me, it's almost like having a meeting. Um, so in that sense, but uh, Brent Sobel has been very on me about like, okay, so what are you going to do? What kind of, how are we going to go through your life and do the actual work that you need to do so that you don't relapse and so that we can clean out your house and, uh, you know, build up a foundation so that uh, going forward, um, I don't have these met, uh, big setbacks like I've had. Uh, basically what I was saying, trying to say before, but I get so sidelined. I've had so many concussions, guys. I have such a bad memory. I'm not kidding. Um, but what I was trying to say is that if I do relapse, which I hope I don't, but if I do, I've made it perfectly clear that I'm going to come on my podcast and, and tell my listeners and the reason why, um, and if people want to turn off the podcast right then and there and say, I'm done with you, then that's their, that's up to them. I don't care. I'll keep recording them. That's fine. Um, but the reason why, uh, there's a couple of reasons. One uh, because I want to be honest and authentic. I never want to lie. Um, two, because I feel like if I'm honest and I come out uh, and tell them that I'm going to get back on track right away. Uh, because I know from relapsing in the past, 
Uh, I've always tried to suppress it. Like, oh, I screwed up. Uh, I won't happen again, but I can't tell anybody. And that doesn't work. Oh, I'll just do it one more time, one more time, one more time. And then all of a sudden it's been a year and I'm in jail. Um, so I am going to come on the podcast and be like, hey, listen, I relapsed. Now I'm prepared to do that. But in doing this, I really don't think I'm going to have to do that. I just don't, uh, with the way things are going, I just don't see it uh, it, hap- it happening. I think uh, we may have lost the grumpy old man there. <laughs> yeah, just temporarily. Um, but That's okay. But, uh, you know, so I, um, you know, I, I'm going to be very forthcoming uh, with, with my audience if it does happen so that I can get back on track right away. Um, but like I said, guys, I, I really feel like, um, like there's, there's so many good things going on. So many good people in my life. Um, I just don't see a relapse happening. And I, and I was about to say, I feel like this, this podcast you have and you've created is really the impetus and it's, it's, I don't want to say an accountability, but I feel like it allows you to, to express yourself creatively as well and go through and just, you know, every day have that reminder of these are the people I'm helping. This is, this is, I'm here for a much greater cause and here for a much better, yeah. much better purpose. And having that purpose is, it's hugely important. And, and I don't want to really go too much, but a little callback. You talked about when you do leave sports, people have that empty feeling. You're not a part of the community. And that's what I missed the most about when I left college football. It wasn't the playing, you know, playing games are fun and everything like that. And being at practice, it was shooting the shit with the guys and having that great mm-hmm. community feeling. It's like another family you have when you lose that. Yeah. It's tough. Um, and, yeah. and I think you having this podcast here allows you to connect with so many more. It's allowed you that community and that family as well. Absolutely. And uh, it's been so important. Uh, it's, it's really kind of hard to understand because, um, you would think that, uh, you know, it sounds really bad to say, I don't even know if I can word it properly, but, uh, meaning and purpose, you know, to find that community, like some people listening be like, man, this guy has kids. Isn't that enough? Um, and I thought it was at one point too, and it should be, and I love my kids. Um, but the addiction is so powerful that, um, you know, uh, kids are never, you can't stay clean for your kids. You can't stay sober for your kids. You have to do it for yourself. Um, and I never really understood that before. I used to try to get clean for everybody else or so that I could go back and play hockey or, uh, you know, and it just never lasted without even trying to ever trying to find what I was actually going to do. Um, for so long, it was like, I could keep fucking up and don't worry. I'll be able to go back and play hockey. I mean, it hasn't been like that for a long time for the last five years. But I mean, I, I if you guys knew how many chances I had in the hockey world with teams and quitting and drugs and everything else, um, it's uh, it's really quite remarkable, really. I've had like nine lives and I feel like this this has to be it. Um, uh, there, I, you know... I, I just, yeah. yeah, there, there is a new accountability because there is a greater purpose and it sounds bad. The reason why I said it sounds bad is because there should, the greater purpose, I wish I could be, it could have been my kids this whole time. And people listening might be like, man, that, you know, but and it might, especially women might not understand, but you know, the accountability of helping people, even people that I don't know, people that listen that I may never meet, um, just knowing that I'm helping people, um, 
is giving me that sense of like, Hey, you can't screw up. And yeah, I don't know why, I don't know why that is. Um, I, I to be honest with you, I'm not even going to try to figure out why. Um, all I know is that, uh, for the last, however many months, I don't know the exact day, because to be honest with you, when the day that I stopped using, uh, it wasn't like, okay, I'm going to stop using on this day and that's it. Like I went to treatment and you know, which day you went. Um, it was just like, uh, okay, I'm going to sit here and kind of suck it up and go through this shit. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we'll see where it takes me. And I kind of just thought, Oh, I'll probably just end up using again in a week, like always. And so I never kind of even, I couldn't even tell you what day was the exact day. Uh, because, there was like, it got to be like close to a month or whatever. And then it was like close to two months, uh, three months. And then I was like, ah, oh, I think it's been like three months. And that's when really the podcast started, um, you know, and then that was even, you know, at that point, I still was like, oh, I'll probably use drugs again. Like I'm just, you know, doing this for right now. But if time tells me anything, uh, any day now I'm going to relapse because I'm not doing anything to better my life, you know? So, um, I couldn't tell you the exact day and, uh, it's almost better that way. I remember like marking every day on the calendar, one more day, one more day, one more day. And that's great for people that want to count. And yeah, I think it's important and it can be very rewarding to get one month, to get three months, to get a year, to get, um, but not everybody works the same. And th those yeah. things worked, those things worked for me for a while, you know, like carrying those chips in your pocket and maybe I'll go back and do them again. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, I am just literally taking it day by day. Um, not, you know, Oh, I'm five months clean or whatever, because that's all I can do. Right. It, exactly. I mean, that's, that's certainly, and you know, I tell you what, I'm, I am rooting for you so hard. I, I mean, I, like I said, I've never met you before. Um, but I, t I want it to be where some, where some point in your life, you look at yourself as Brady, the father, Brady, the, uh, the husband, I, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, but that's how I, that's how I'd really like to see you look at yourself eventually. I mean, I know you're not there yet. Um, but that's, that's what I root for, for you. Um, from the grumpy old man to you. I appreciate that, man. I mean, I really do. And, and I mean, that's, and that's heartfelt for me. And, you know, cause I mean, I know you've probably never listened to our podcast, but I play the fool most of the time, which <laughs> is, you know, that's my strength. Um, but I mean, I've really been touched by your story. I really have. And I mean, I listen to you and you just come off as being, and I'm also getting to look at your face also. Um, and you come off as just being, genuinely honest you're brutally honest <laughs> in your assessment of where you are in your life right now and you are aware of the struggles that you're that you're going to see every single day and it is day to day and uh, like i said i mean to me that that means that you have a chance to succeed in this you really do and i'm like i said i'm 100 percent rooting for you all the way i appreciate that and um you know there's so many podcasts on the hockey podcast network. I try to check, uh, I try to check out, uh, I'm going to try to listen to at least one of every one just so I can, you know, 
know what's going on um you know i'll give you actually i haven't had a chance to listen to you guys i'm not gonna lie i'm not a liar but uh i will uh i'm gonna go back and and uh check out it's interesting to see guys isn't it have you guys gone back i know you were talking about my first one so if you're listening on spotify the reason why you can't find it is because my first one is set as my trailer so if you if that's where you were listening to it on spotify that might be why or if you were looking at it at the hockey podcast network they only started doing uh mine from episode nine so you have to go on to my feed um i release mine like a day after the hockey the, they come out on the hockey, hockey podcast network but i'll send you a link to the first one but it's really interesting to go back and listen to people's first podcast um, oh you're not kidding to go back it's it's, <laughs> it's fun right like that's what i like to do uh just to see um you know and then go back and see where i'm at and, and that but uh i you know it's fun. Uh, the podcast has been so therapeutic, more therapeutic than anything I've ever done in my entire life. Well, I'm going to tell you what, the only podcast on the Hockey Podcast ne Network worth listening to besides your own is ours. I'll be flat out honest with you. <laughs> We're better than, I don't know if, I don't, have you listened to any of the other, I mean, have you, have you had any interaction with any of the other uh, people? Who just Terry, with? just Terry Ryan. Okay. Okay. Well, his, oh, I'm glad you've been with us. I'm glad you gave us our first shot to talk to you because uh, like I said, just a, a fantastic story. It really is. And, uh, like I said, we're rooting for you. I know it. And I'd love to have you on this podcast again, uh, Anytime. to talk about other things Net, you know, hopefully that, and I know, you know, what's the hockey to heroin is where, what you're going to be known for. I want to talk about, about other things too. I mean, I thought it was really, really important that we got your story out here for the people who listen to our podcast uh, who know family members or know people uh, who are going through uh, addiction issues. Long and, Island. Long Island is a hub there for heroin use as well, grumpy old man. I know you do remember that as well. Yeah, I, I sure do. And, you know, but it's it just so it, – it's just refreshing to hear someone – and how old are you? How old are you, Brady? Uh, I'll be 33 in August. Oh, you're another baby. Okay, so you're another baby too. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, the grumpy old man's a little bit older than that. He's probably the oldest, the oldest podcaster on the Hockey Podcast Network. He's the best. I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. But it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I, I mean, like I said, I just had to make sure that I got those things out there before the podcast ended because I think you're just a fantastic young man, and I'm rooting for you and all your children. I'm going to give you a little word of advice. When your girlfriend says to you, the most she ever saw you smile is come off the ice. That means you're not doing enough for her. If you're not smiling, <laughs> you see her, I'm just going to tell you that from experience. She'd probably agree with you on that one. She will. She would. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, it, it's been a it's been a real pleasure, uh, Brady, and and hearing your story and being able to share it again. Just like Grumpy Old Man echoed, and I'll say the same thing. I'd love to have you on the podcast again to talk yeah. other things as well. I believe you've had a lot of life experiences as well. Um, that really, it's you're one of a kind type of guy, a really genuine person, and. Um, and, you know, if there's anything else you want to kind of add in, you know, plug all your social media and, um, and you know, what, again, you kind of already been telling us, you know, what the goal is. But, you know, if you have social media handles, please go ahead and, yeah. and list them off yeah. that. Or yeah, guys, I, I listen, I really appreciate you guys having me on anytime. Uh, if I'm available, I love to hop on and chat. It's uh, it's a pleasure. Um I love doing it. So anytime we could talk hockey, I do know a little bit about that too. So, um, <laughs> I, when, uh, one more question before, before we let you, 
who would you rather have on your team, Brady? I oh, definitely stop. Grumpy, stop. You can't do this every single podcast. Grumpy old man. Oh, okay. my goodness. Some, one member of our podcast said that they would rather have for the New York Islanders Andrews Lee over Patrick Kane. And, you know, being the older member and the smarter one, uh, I'm just interested in your uh, view of that. Just real quick. You can just you can just name a name. You don't even have to go into any details. We'll just say Patrick Kane. Wait, that's Thank too you. obvious. We'll just call him P. Kane. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, the thing is, he makes it always sound like it's not a tactful question. I made sure when I originally worded the question, it was a year ago. The Islanders just, you know, yeah, I don't no, want to get is, too much into it. Hey, listen, he's a good player, but you know who the best player on the, the Islanders is a friend of mine by the name of Matthew Barzell. He's from my hometown. And uh, he, uh, I actually skated with him when I was, uh, so when I was 24, um, I got clean and I started training with this trainer who's a, oh, he trains hockey players, but he's also a martial artist. Anyways, I had this skating coach and I hadn't been on the ice in about a year. Uh, and this is when I first started training with uh, this trainer. And so this guy, we rented the ice for the skating coach and just me. And before I went out on the ice, there was a couple of kids on the ice. Um, and I'm like watching and I'm like, holy shit, who is this kid? And so I start talking to it, talking to the dad. And uh, I introduced myself and he's like, hi, I'm Mike Barzell and that's my son, Matt. And da, 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 da. I said, wow. I said, Matt was like 13 or 12 at the time. And I said, listen, I said, uh, it's just me, uh, but we got a goalie coming. I would love it if he stayed out with me. And so he did. Um, and he was probably just as good as me at 24 when he was 13. Uh, and he ended up coming and training with us for that summer. Uh, and you know, and I know Matthew fairly well now and, uh, what a tremendous hockey player he is. Uh, I would take Matthew Barzell over Patrick Kane any day. Uh, if you want to ask me that question, but, uh, um, yeah, my social media guys, um, you can find me on Twitter at hockey to heroin, uh, with the number two, uh, my website, hockey to heroin.com Facebook. You can like my page hockey to heroin, uh, guys too. check out team issue.ca up here. Uh, they got wicked hats. Uh, all clothing, you use promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off. Um, other than that, uh, we're also setting up a GoFundMe page uh, tonight uh, to help uh, with the cost of this studio. Uh, me and Matt Thompson were originally uh, paying for it out of pocket, and we will if we don't get any donations. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's becoming a little more expensive than we once anticipated. Uh, so uh, we are starting a GoFundMe page if anyone wants to donate to the studio. Uh, we're going to have a wall for donors. So if you donate, your name goes on the wall. We're going to send you a bumper sticker that says, I, I helped build the Matthew Lashinsky studio. Um, uh, so lots of things. Uh, look out for the foundation. Uh, other than that, listen to the podcast and the Hockey Podcast Network. Or, uh, yeah, wherever you get your podcasts, every Wednesday morning and Saturday mornings, uh, I have new episodes available. So, um, yeah, check it out, guys. And thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.